Amen. Oh, so good to see all your faces. You can have a seat. My name is Meredith. And my husband, Claude, and I are the lead pastors of this amazing church, and it is so good to be in the same room together. I'm going to take these things out. I just want to say hello to everybody in the room, and I also want to say hello to everybody joining us online. We know there's lots of summer travel happening, and so we're so excited uh, to be able to uh, meet with you online or even later in the week. Just a real quick um, shout out to Adam, who leads our production team, that we can just be able to provide this online um, experience as well as our in-person, just keeps it all going week in and week out, and we're so thankful that we can keep growing together. So yes, thank you. I hear the cheers. Yes, that's awesome. Um, So we are in week four of our summer series called Summer Breakthrough, and we are loving this series. It has been so good, and we continue week in and week out to pray for a breakthrough in all of our lives in the midst of our summer break. Um, For those of you online, some of the things I'm going to say may not totally apply, and if they don't, that's okay. You can do a lot of the things through our website. One thing that can't happen for you right now is to get an Isaiah journal. So for those of you in the room, if you do not have an Isaiah journal and you want one, for the rest of the series. There's another eight weeks to go. They're in the back. You can grab one. They're free. Um, You might have gotten one in 2019. I'm not sure. That's when we started Isaiah. If you lost it, that's fine. Just grab a new one. Um, But for those of you online, if you want an Isaiah journal, just email us and we will gladly send you one. For sure. So um, I'm sure there's some guests in the room, uh, some new faces. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to meet you in person. There's lots of people every week that gather online that we can't put a face to. So to meet you um, in person is really, really special. Um, Thank you for connecting with us. I'm just going to run through some things that many of you hear every single week. But for those of you that haven't heard this, we just want to help you out. So we would love for you to share your information with us. We're not going to stalk you. (laughs) We're not going to hunt you down. It's just really so that we can get feedback from you. Um, and help you and pray for you any way that you need if you would want that. There are info cards back there. You can do that. If you're online, you can do that through the Next Steps page of our website or on the online platform. Um, you can also do that through our YouVersion app. We use the app here when we're um, in the room. And actually, you can even use that online. That is available every single week if you want to use it to take notes, if you want to share your information. Um, there's also a place to give um, through the app itself. Um, you can also give through our website. And speaking of giving, um, there is an offering box in the back if you want to do that. I know churches get a bad name for saying, oh, we want your money. But we love to talk about money at Centerway because we love to be generous. And it's a kingdom principle, and we're not shying away from that. It's the only way to have true financial freedom, and so we just want that for you. Um, So we encourage you to give and let uh, your finances be God's. There are some other ways to connect throughout the week um, if you would like to. We create wallpapers for your devices. Oh, I was going to grab mine like this. So on your phone, so you can remember the application question. There's also one for your desktops. Um, We have social media that we post on throughout the week. You can check out our Spotify playlist. Um, And we also create Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that go right along with the message. Guys, they are so good. And you can see right here, the Monday ones, we've started this thing called Lawn Chair Chats. And um, it's been really fun to um, kind of explore that. So those are always posted on our website, or you can subscribe to them and get them right in your inbox. They're awesome. And there's a kid's message to connect with. Um, in case you're a parent in the room and you want to grow together with your kiddos. So if throughout the week you have questions, feedback, if you need prayer, if you have any ideas for us, we're always open to that. We love to collaborate. You can email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. 
trying to get through all this stuff as quickly as possible. Um, we do always say we get to do this here. We've said that since before we launched. We get to do this. We're so excited. We're excited to be in the room today. And our next in-person gathering is August 22nd. It'll be right here in this room. But... In the meantime, there are other ways that we can connect in person. I think some of those are going to go up behind me. Um, there's a backyard worship uh, that we're really excited about, just a kind of a cool, intimate time in, literally in a backyard to gather. All that stuff is on the calendar page of our website. We have an after-church hangout. We're going to get like a cornhole tournament going, just have some random sports and fun for the kids. That's August 1st. One thing that's not behind me is all the student and kids events. But parents, you typically will get those emails, and if you don't, please let us know. And anybody in the room that's new and you want to, get the updates um, for like our next in-persons or whatever, uh, you can email us and we'll get you added to that. Um, there are always next steps that you can engage in. That is not specific to just the, um, the series we're in. Claude will talk about application and next steps and things like that. But there's always ways you can keep growing. You can be spiritually coached. You can serve. You can get water baptized if you haven't already. You can become a Centerway steward. And one cool thing for students is that circles start tonight. Summer circles for students say that a couple times, Daria, they start tonight. And so that's really exciting for them. They just had a really cool movie night a couple nights ago. Uh, we just love our students and we love that they're in the room with us. So here is what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. As soon as I am done here, Eric is going to be reading the scripture. And I'm really excited for him to pronounce all these really awesome names in Isaiah. It's going to be really entertaining for us all. And then Claude's going to come up and communicate from the Bible. And then we're all going to respond to the word through singing. And then I'm going to close out our gathering. So that's what to expect. Let's pray together. God, you are so, so good, and your presence changes everything. And we thank you that when two or more are gathered in your name, you're there among us. And so in the midst of basketball happening behind us and noise and all those things, God, we just are so grateful to be in your presence together. Um, we love the online, but we're so thankful to be in the room and just hear each other and um, grow together. So God, would you take all of our worship and all of our praise today and be glorified in this place in Jesus' name. Amen. I said, good morning. <laughs> My name is Eric. I'm reading Isaiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. Then the Lord said to me, take a large tablet and write on it in common characters belonging to Maher Shalal Hashbaz, and I will get reliable witness, witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of Jeberechiah, to attest for me. And I went to the prophetess, and she conceived and bore a son, then the Lord said to me, call his name Maher Shalal Hashbaz, for before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. The Lord spoke to me again, because, the people, because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flowed gently and rejoiced over resin and the son of Remaliah. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria in all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks. And it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. 
Speak a word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people, saying, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him shall you honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Thanks, Eric. Great job. Oh, you're welcome. Eric just had a birthday. He's 53. Why are you laughing? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Everybody's like, wait, no, I'm not sure. I think, what are you, 42? That is a bad lie. 43, all right. I don't know why I like fixated on you knowing his age. I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe it's the basketball, just enough noise in the room, people walking by. I'm like, <laughs> how old are you? Anyway, um, if, you're, uh, if you're online, you're missing the fun. Um, I, uh, we're continuing our series, Summer Breakthrough, as has already been mentioned, and today's message is actually called Better Option, Better Option. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, I, uh, pretty like the whole COVID thing, I didn't really engage too much in like Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything, but once uh, COVID on the front end was like, raging and you're sitting at home twiddling our thumbs, uh, it's like you start looking at TV and you're just looking in those kind of down moments to say, people are talking about different shows and you binge watch this and you binge watch that. And it's like all garbage after a while. You're like, I don't even care. It doesn't matter what's happening on TV. It's just kind of on in the background. And so there was uh, this show that was actually on the normal television. If you can believe that, we also have normal television. And uh, it was intriguing. I thought it would be cool because it involved um, paintball. And so I, I, I'm not a paintballer. I've shared some of my experiences of my uh, very few paintball <laughs> uh, moments. They've been entertaining and devastating. Um, so I was watching other people shoot each other. I thought that's way more fun and way less painful. So there was a, a paintball tournament and I guess there's one that happens annually and maybe it doesn't happen anymore. I don't know, but there was one when this was recorded, and based on the quality of the recording, it was somewhere in the 90s. <laughs> um, it happens at West Point, and it's a group of people that come and they stay like right there on West Point. They set up tents, all that stuff. It's like this big thing, and there's different teams, and they compete every year. And I won't go through all the backstory, one, because it's super boring, and two, I don't remember all of it. Um, but I remember a distinct moment that I want to share with you. My kids quickly got disengaged and did not care about the paintball. I was enamored by it. Um, they, uh, basically, there's three teams, and they have to capture the flag, essentially. And so they're shooting each other. Uh, they have tanks. Some of them are homemade. Uh, it's awesome. Anyway, so they capture each other, all these different things. And there's this critical moment up on this hillside where people that, that are spending way too much time and way too much money doing something that really doesn't matter at all, um, all gather together and they're kind of just commiserating because they're in this moment of turmoil. They're not sure that they can overcome uh, this enemy that 
is flanking them from the left. And uh, they're acting like their life is legit on the line. It was intense. And uh, they're kind of freaking out. And so someone comes in with their gun raised and they're in a different team and they have their, ga- their gun up and they're coming into their camp, if you will. And so they're being escorted by a group of people just waiting to shoot them with their paintballs. And they're like, state your case. Why are you in our camp? And so he says, listen, I want to submit to you the idea of an alliance. You know, could we maybe overthrow? They're flanking us as well. And so if we could just combine forces, we think we can take him. It's a long story I've already spent too much time on. I'll simply say this. They, they are all in agreement with the exception of the person leading the team. He doesn't want to align with them. And so they're literally arguing in the middle of this field. And finally, he's like, all right, he succumbs to peer pressure. And he's like, all right, fine. This is, this is our future. <laughs> if we're going to agree, we're going to agree together. They're, I'm laughing because they were taking it so seriously. <laughs> but in either case, they end up joining uh, forces and they come down into this valley. And as you can imagine, immediately they're surrounded by the person that said they were going to have an alliance with them and they just begin blowing them up, shooting them repeatedly. It was the most ridiculous thing. And of course they're, they're devastated. They're screaming. They're acting like they're actually being shot. This, they're trying to retaliate. It's not enough. They take their leader capture, capture, uh, they take their leader captive. Yeah. Thanks. Somebody said it over there too. (laughs) Thank you, everybody helping me speak today. I really do appreciate it. It would have just really unraveled. And so in either case, they bring them aside and uh, they're like, you know, you've been eliminated and they're, they're, <laughs> they're uh, giving him this interview and he's crying. He's crying. This grown man was crying about paintball. And he says, uh, he's like, I told him. I told them they couldn't be trusted. They couldn't be trusted, but I just, I gave in. I just gave in because they all wanted it. <laughs> so I'm sharing the story because it is a perfect illustration to what it is I'm talking about. It is, the mo- if you can find it, if you can find the joyful moment of finding one of those episodes, just sit back, sip a cup of coffee and just drink it in. It is amazing. But in either case, I don't remember the name of it. And, um, I will never watch it again. The question I want to ask you, though, in regards to what we're talking is this. Why do we get swayed by other people's concerns? Why do we get swayed by other people's concerns? Now, as humans, we all are. And you might not like to admit it, or you might not be as easily swayed as others. But the fact is, we're all swayed by the concerns of others at times. There's actually a lot of different reasons why we can be swayed by other people's concerns. There's really two main reasons that I want to submit to you. The, the first one is the, the situation might seem too big. When a situation seems too big and it kind of impacts others, so kind of their concerns are something that, that we want to hear, and in fact, their concerns sway us, kind of like this poor, devastated military leader. Um, he was called a general, and he did require people to uh, call him general. It was amazing. In either case, when there's a moment where you kind of feel like, like you're right, like there's something that should be done this way, and yet you're swayed by the concerns of others because the situation seems too big in it, it's going to impact other people's lives. The second reason is that people who are voicing their concerns have some form of authority or power over us. Okay? So you might be in a workplace and you hear this idea. I remember a time when I was working in a hotel where uh, I was in charge of um, uh, 
the front desk, so kind of the check-in area. And so I was one of the front desk managers for a certain shift when I was in college. And um, there, were, there was this idea thing. And so we would go through this idea bin, and it was part of our job at the beginning of the time shift to go through the idea bin from the day before. And so we're going through, and we're reading the ideas. And so I read one of the ideas, and I remember it. Like, it was kind of easy because there were absurd things there all the time. You know, like, we should be able to stay in this hotel for free. Good idea. You know, like... So there was stuff like that in the box all the time. So it was very easy to laugh about them or say, wow, that's a terrible idea. So I pulled one out, I read it out loud, and I said, wow, that is a terrible idea. And someone sitting to my right goes, um, this guy's name uh, actually wrote, wrote that idea. So he was our boss. And he put the idea in there. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that, that employees put ideas in the box as well. And so he was sitting there and uh, I was like, let's talk about that idea. And he's like, well, if you think it's bad. I was like, well, you know, I mean, that's my opinion, but that's what we're, we're here to talk about. Let's talk about the idea. And he goes, well, I was just going to say, you know, if you don't like the idea, you can work somewhere else. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and he was pretty serious about it. And I was like, no, I'm serious. Like, let's just talk about the idea. I mean, let's talk about, let's do the idea. Let's actually do the idea. It was a dumb idea. Um, we did do the idea. Uh, I won't talk about the idea because I spent too much time talking about the first thing already. I'm just going to say idea a lot. Anyway, the point is this. When there is something that is brought up where there's concerns that are voiced and somebody has some form of authority or power over us, they can sway us. I was swayed that day. <laughs> I was swayed. So there's two main reasons, as I just mentioned. There's a situation and or a person's power or perceived power over us. Those are the two main reasons. But now, as much as those are kind of general reasons, the root of us being swayed, the why as to why it is we're sometimes swayed, is actually fear. It's fear. We're often swayed because of fear. We fear the ramifications of the situation. How is this going to play out? And or the people involved. What are the consequences? What's it going to cost us? And so it comes down to this idea of fear. Now, I know we've talked a little bit about fear last Sunday. We're going to talk about fear again next Sunday, if you've been with us for any amount of time, as we've begun through the first portion of this section of Isaiah. You've heard us discuss fear quite a bit. And in today's text, we're talking about misplaced fear. Misplaced fear is actually the topic. So let's reread verse 1. One more time. Verse one of chapter eight says this. Then the Lord said to me, speaking to Isaiah, take a large tablet and write on it in common characters belonging to Meher Shalal Hazbaz. Okay? So, a large tablet. Let's take a large tablet in common characters. What in the world does that mean? It means a placard of sorts. All right? And it means write in a language that in that day everyone could understand. Um, in that day, there were different scripts, uh, depending on your socioeconomical class. There was actually specific written um, ways that you communicated, different variations of Hebrew, different languages that were even spoken. And so what this is saying, what the Lord is saying to Isaiah is, listen, I want you to take a placard, to take a sign and write on it in a way that everyone can understand. And so what we want to make sure of is that everybody can grasp what it is that's being communicated. And so just so we can kind of understand in modern terms, this would be the equivalent of 
paying for a billboard or maybe uh, paying for sponsored social media posts in plain English in such a way that everybody that passes by can read this thing and understand it. The translation of that phrase um, actually means this. It means speeding to the plunder, hurrying to the spoil. Speeding to the plunder, hurrying to the spoil. What? Like, why in the world? Why in the world would God say, hey, Isaiah, take a big sign and write on it, speeding to the plunder, hurrying to the spoil? Why in the world? Isaiah is being told by the Lord, essentially, to prophesy what will take place so that when it happens, everyone will say, oh my gosh, God knew. God told us. You see, it's a foreshadowing, it's a prophesying that Assyria will in fact be speeding to the plunder and hurrying to the spoil. So what's happening here is God is saying, Isaiah, the people of Judah are in complete disobedience and so I want you to do something. I want you to make a sign that right now makes no earthly sense. But as things start to unfold, as everything starts to unravel, they'll be able to look at that sign and go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. God was right all along. There are consequences for our decision to disobey the Lord. You see, to align with Assyria would ultimately mean that they would quickly plunder the nation of Judah. As we talked last Sunday, there are consequences for our decisions. And we now have kind of realized and come to grips with the reality that who or what we fear can actually get us in trouble, right? It can actually get us in trouble. So as an example of this general and, and probably endless examples where you have found yourself aligning with people in a certain situation, swayed by the opinions of others, swayed by the opinions of a crowd or well-meaning children, <laughs> yes, we'll do what you want. <laughs> um, in either case, you find yourself getting to a place where who or what you fear actually got you in more trouble than what you were in. So I want to ask you a question. Here's the question. Who do you fear? Who or what do you fear? I've, I've asked it before, and I, I want us to continue to wrestle with this idea because in our humanity and sometimes in our strong will, our, our knee-jerk reaction is, I fear nothing. I fear no one. We all have fears. And so I want you to consider who or what do you fear? You. You. It's really easy to be like, oh, well, I'll tell you who my neighbor fears, or I'll tell you what my, what my daughter's scared of, or what my brother's scared of. Oh my gosh, I'll tell you the fears that are running rampant. No, you, what is it that you are fearing right now? We think often that we're experts on others, but as humans, we have fears. So what is it that you fear? Get this, verses five through eight are really summarizing how Ahaz and Judah, King Ahaz and the nation of Judah, are celebrating an escape from Syria. Because they have aligned with Assyria. They've aligned with Assyria in order to defeat Syria. And they're, they're celebrating this escape only to find that their so-called ally is really their future oppressor. Their future oppressor. Ahaz was fearful they're fearful of, of, a, of Syria and Ephraim, and so he aligns with Assyria. We've talked about this for the last couple of weeks. If you haven't been with us, that's what's happening here. You can read the whole story in 1 Kings 16 if you want. King Ahaz, the king of Judah, has aligned with Assyria, 
And one commentator says it like this. They say it perfectly. It'll give you a snapshot of what's actually taking place. This alliance is what the commentator says. This alliance is like a mouse threatened by a rat turning to a ravenous alley cat for assistance. All right, I'll say that one more time. This alliance is like a mouse threatened by a rat turning to a ravenous alley cat for assistance. Assyria destroys them all, consumes them all, plunders them quickly. You see, it's not an alliance at all, but rather it's bondage. Now it's easy to say, man, King Ahaz, what a sucker. Man, he chose poorly. I'm so glad I don't make bad decisions in my life. Man, that's crazy. I can't believe that that king did that. And that general from that show, what an idiot. I mean, we could see that from our couch. What were we thinking? But the fact is we have moments where we align with the wrong people. We have moments where we're motivated by fear. You see, our flesh, our humanity, looks at situations like this, and we say this is an either-or. You're either afraid, and you align with Assyria, or you're not afraid. You stand up to fight this oppressor. This is an either-or. You're on one side, or you're on the other. We love that. Why do we love that? It's because it's really clear. It's black and white. It's good guys and bad guys. It's cops and robbers, right? We've been doing that our whole life. When you, when you start to watch a show, some of the most compelling movies out there are when you start to, to root for the bad guy and you're like, what am I doing? But I kind of like the bad guy, you know? And all the producers are like, <laughs> that was our plan. Then the bad guy turns out to be the good guy and then the good guy kills the bad guy and then the bad guy becomes the good guy. I don't know. I'm just saying, you understand what I'm talking about. You like to root for a side. You like the idea that it's one side against another. It's humanity. It's flesh. It's simple and it's clear. There's a name for it. Division. It's division. We want to divide. We want to clarify. We want two sides, good or bad. And when we're entertained by a movie and we swap our good to our bad, there's never a third option. It's always good or bad. It's division. You see, it's a sucker's choice because both are really rooted in misplaced fear. They're both misplaced fear. One side says, align. Align with Assyria. Why? What are they fearing? They're fearing death. They don't want to die. So listen, let's align. The other side says, fight. Fight. What do they fear? They fear the loss of freedom. The loss of freedom. They're both afraid. It's both misplaced fear. Look at what scripture says. Verse 12 says this. It says, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy and do not fear what they fear nor be in dread. Don't function according to this world. It doesn't have to be in either or. There's a better option. God's trying to break through and tell you today there's a better option. It doesn't have to be either or. It doesn't have to be black and white. There's a third option, a third option. We're going to talk about that third option in verse 13. It goes on and says this, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. You see, if you remember, God says he's got this. 
But Ahaz is overwhelmed by the seriousness of the situation. I mean, God, don't you understand? This is a big deal. Like, I understand we should rest in you and you're awesome and you're the Lord, but like, hello, I've got to work this out. This is a serious situation. And the voices of the people are pushing. And in the end, Judah is swayed not to fear the Lord, but to work it out himself. Sound familiar? Like we can read the Old Testament and be like, oh, that was so long ago. But I mean, this is super prevalent for today and for every day. Every day of our lives, we're we're trying to to pick a side. We're trying to understand who do we align with? What's going to be most beneficial for us? How does this work out or play out for our benefit? But the, the Lord is trying to say, listen, Fear me, rest in me. If, if you are concerned and swayed by the worries of this world, you are gonna align with the wrong people. You're going to compromise the wrong things. When we align and fight, we, like Judah, declare faith in God's way as inadequate. Let me say that again. Because... A lot of us choose one way or the other, whether it's in relationships, workplace, or otherwise. If you're aligning, if you're fighting, either side, then like Judah, you're declaring faith in God's way as inadequate. As inadequate. God wants to break through this summer. And I know that there's a tension in the room because... Because our mentality, our heart says, well, we can't just sit idly by. What are you talking about? Like, we, we either align or we fight. Like, there's, there's no doing nothing. We're talking about real life here, Claude. We're not talking about what, what, what's happening in, in Scripture thousands of years ago. Talking about my life right now. Listen, we work to right wrongs that God has not called us to. We choose sides and cause division. And like I said, we think, you know what? It's not that easy. We have to do something. We can't just be the person that just sits there and and silent. And I'm not saying God is calling us to be silent. I want to ask you a question one more time. Who or what are you fearing? Think about your situation, circumstance, whatever it might be, wherever you might find yourself. We all have different lives that we lead. Who or what are you fearing right now? that you feel compelled to act on. I need to do something about this. What is the this that you need to act on? Ask yourself in that situation, what is it that you're fearing? Is it a person? Is it a situation? Is it death? Jesus overcame all those things. Jesus overcame even death. He went to a cross and he died the death that you and I deserve so that we wouldn't have to fear the created. So that we wouldn't have to fear people or situations, that we wouldn't be overcome by the circumstances and the worries of this world. In fact, we're told that our wisdom actually, that God's wisdom confounds the wisdom of the world. So what does it look like? What does it look like to to wrestle with this tension but something needs to be done here? If you feared the Lord more than the situation, more than the people involved, more than losing control, then you and I would listen to scripture. 
If we feared the Lord more than the situation, more than the people involved, more than losing control, than than you and I, because I'm not excluded, then we would listen to scripture. That's the breakthrough. It's not a Christian cop-out. It's a breakthrough. And I I say it's not a Christian cop-out because I'm a little wired to be like, cop-out. Like, come on. Like, it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, like, when your boss does this, when, when this happens with your girlfriend, then, you know, like, it, it doesn't give situational clarity. It does give timeless principles. Listen, if we were really fearing the Lord, if we were truly transformed by the truth of the gospel, and we understood that which Christ had done for us on a cross, if that was the thing that we were fearing more than people, more than situations, more than our control over a circumstance or situation, then what does scripture say? We'd love our enemies. We'd be peacemakers, not people of division. We'd be focused on the mission of making disciples and not distracted by the cares and worries of this world that are fleeting that are, are the same generation after generation, relationship after relationship. There's nothing new in the world today. It's sinful and it's broken and it's coming apart and what the world is looking for is not this side or that side. No, they're looking for a better option, a third option. They're looking for love in the midst of anger and separation. They're looking for joy in the midst of heartbreak and pain. They want the good news. They want to understand why it is or how it is that someone would function differently than they do, differently than their neighbor does, differently than the other side of the argument, whatever the argument might be. A third option. People transformed by the truth of the gospel, not distracted by the worries and the cares of this world. Get this, we'd be set apart Did you know that's what holy means? The definition of holy is to be set apart. That we would literally be set apart from the worries and cares of this world. That our lives and our mindset, our words would be attractive and like healing balm to a broken world. It's super easy to pick a side. It's super easy. And it's really easy to declare you're right. And it's even easy to be swayed in the right circumstance, in the right situation. But what's not easy is in the midst of the division to be a person that extends grace and mercy, that fears the Lord above the situation, that has a perspective that is eternal rather than temporal, that's not brought down by the worries and the cares of this world, but transcends it, not because of our own ability or our own capacity to see beyond it, because we see the devastation that everyone else does. We see and feel the pain of broken relationships and all those things. No, it's the idea that Jesus has paid the price, that he is Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Isaiah said in the, in the pericope prior, if you remember. God is with us. It, if you don't believe that, if you don't believe that, then my goodness, pick a side and fight. Fight. And you'll be wrong. And you'll cry in front of an interview and you'll wipe the snot away and say, they convinced me. But my gosh, the gospel is so much greater. It's so much higher And we have 
Isaiah to look at and say, I don't have to be like Ahaz. The nation of Judah, God's people, the Christians of the day, they align with Assyria only to be plundered. Why? Because they were overcome with fear. We need to act. We've got to work this out ourselves. Let's be set apart. Our lives and our mindsets transformed. If you say that that's too difficult to comprehend, there's always options to have conversations with people that are committed Christ followers to see what it is that scripture says. You can do the work to do that. But if you find yourself in a situation, you're like, but how do I, how do I land in this situation that's blowing up right in front of me? I want to tell you that you're, you're on God's side in a situation. When, when, you, when you want to know if you're on God's side in the situation, sorry, if it's not clear what it is that you're fearing in that moment, and you can't get to the bottom of it. There's a way to discover how it is that you're on God's side in a situation. I'm sure now people are way more interested. How can I be on God's side? Because <laughs> I want to tell everybody that I'm on God's side <laughs> and cause more division. Here's the deal. In your heart and in your mind, if you want to know how you're on God's side, look at the, uh, at the allies you've made. Look at the allies you've made. Are 100% of them gospel-centered disciple makers. Because if you're standing beside somebody that is an irreligious person that does not care a rip about the truth of the gospel or any type of mission, and you guys are shouting the same thing or you're agreeing on the same thing, then something is desperately wrong with the side you've chosen. Are you standing in line with the truth of God's word? That's a hill worth dying on. We've said that before. You know, we're not a preference-driven church. We're gonna, we're gonna live and die on the hill of scripture. And so if we're doing something against scripture, let's talk about that. This is the document that trumps everything. And so what is scripture saying about your situation? What are you fearing? Jesus is calling us to live on mission. And so here's the question I want us to ask ourselves as we leave this place and, or as we respond in worship to the Lord today and then ultimately leave this place. The question is this, how will I fear the Lord? How will I fear the Lord? Maybe today you've come to this place or you're listening or watching online and you have feared all different types of things. You've feared not being a success, feared not having enough money, you've feared being alone, you've feared the list goes on. We've all had the fears. But today, you've realized that all of those things are very temporal and that it's God that transcends and it's the truth of the gospel that will ultimately be the bedrock that we can set our life on, that we can, that we can rise above situations, that we can be peacemakers, that we can love our enemies because God has loved us while we were his enemy. If that's you and you want to come into relationship with the Lord today, it's as simple as praying a prayer. And it's, it doesn't have to be a, a specific prayer. And so whether you're in the room or watching later, listening later, 
praying something along the lines that, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've lived for myself. I feared the things of this world. But I ask that you'd forgive me of my sins. Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. I fear you and you alone. If you pray that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. If you're in the room, we'd love to talk to you following the gathering today. If you're watching online or listening later, we wanna encourage you if you're live with us to click on the host button and you'll be in a private chat with one of our hosts to talk to you about the next steps. If you're watching or listening later, you can go to our website or email us. We'd love to talk to you wherever you might be today about what the next steps are as you continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord. For others of us, that have crossed that line of salvation. What does it look like for you to fear the Lord more than the circumstances and the situations around you? I wanna challenge you to, to allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart because someday we will be held accountable. We will be held accountable and it's not a fear tactic. It's the nature of what it is to fear the Lord. God's gonna look at you and, and either say, depart from me, I never, what? I never knew you is what scripture says. Do you know the Lord? Do you fear him? Do you know what breaks his heart? Or he'll say, enter in my good and faithful servant. Let's stay on mission. Let's consider what it looks like to put our fears in context with who the Lord is and to live on mission so that we're not distracted by lesser things. Let's pray together as we can conclude the, the message portion. And one of the things that we do here at Centerway is we respond in worship. And so let's prepare our hearts and mind to worship the Lord. And maybe that has to begin with an admission of what it is that we've feared instead of him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we acknowledge that, that we're far from, far from perfect. But Lord, you, you paid a price. You died a death that we deserve so that we don't have to fear the things of this world. The most they could do, and the Apostle Paul says this, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm reminiscent. The, the most they can do is take our lives. That's it. That's the worst. And Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Lord, that we would have a perspective. We want to, to live on mission with you that we wouldn't be caught up in the worries and the cares of this world, that we wouldn't be trapped by, by monetary pressures, by relational struggles, by, by whatever the worries and the cares, the things that we fear today, Lord, I pray that as we whisper in our hearts and minds what it is that we're fearing, God, that you would, that you would come in like a flood, that you'd give us perspective, that you'd give us strength, that you'd remind us that we're loved, we don't need to seek the approval of man because you approve of us. So Lord, we, we rest in you. We worship you. We fear you and you alone. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. Amen. Would you stand?
we declare in this place that it's over everything. Your redemption is over everything in this place. You restore us. You bring breakthrough. It's because of your presence, Jesus. We're so thankful.
summer song. We've only done it once a couple of uh, weeks ago online, so we haven't even done it in person yet. But for those of you that may not um, are, are not very familiar with the Old Testament, or whatever, this song starts with a lot of imagery um, from the Old Testament. So there's some weird words that are part of it, but the idea of God going before us, of um, being our victor and our defender, is so prevalent here. And the thing I want to really want to focus on is all I did was pray. All I did was worship. All I did was bow down. All I did was stay still. And I think that pre-course right there shows the better option that we have to just rest in Jesus and let him fight our battles. Sing together.
God, we know that there are times where you call us to speak and you call us to move and you call us to go. We pray as a church and as individuals that this pre-chorus of being still is the position from which we would do everything you call us to. That it's the posture from which we would operate, God. That our praise would be our weapon, not our words. That our praise would be what moves mountains, God. We're so thankful that when we fear the Lord, it's out of a healthy and holy respect, not because we're afraid of you, but because you're so kind and you're so worth honoring and respecting. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you so much for this time in your word and this time in your presence. In your name, amen. Amen. Well, we are going to just keep going through this song. If anybody wants to come up for prayer, if you want to sit in your seat, if you want to journal, if you just want to take a little more time presence, but otherwise you're officially dismissed. Thanks everybody online for joining us. We'll see you online next Sunday and um, check out the calendar page for all the stuff that's coming up. It's going to be good. Can't wait to be together, but um, we really are praying for a breakthrough in each and every one of our lives and that starts with time in God's presence. Amen? Amen. So we'll see you next week. Let's just keep singing. Thank you.